3. Preferred routes from downtown Austin, Barton Creek Mall, and the Travis County Expo Center are booking fast. Seating is limited. Book now at thecircuit.com. This hour brought to you by Eckert Dentistry. Dr. Eckert can give you a new smile in just one day. Permanently secure to dental implants. Call 345-3166 or online at D-R-U-E-C-K-E-R-T dot com. You're listening to KTAEAM Elgin, K270CO Round Rock. We are the Horn. The Horn. Guests on the Horn appear courtesy of the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. Vaqueros now delivers and offers curbside pickup. For info on placing your lunch or dinner order, visit vaqueroscafe.com. Hook em up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Still a lot to do on a Tuesday, rolling all the way to 11 o'clock. That's right, five hours a day, five days a week. Austin's only local morning sports conversation. And where else would you rather be as the temperatures are about to drop? The football is heating up with Texas and Oklahoma, both undefeated. First time Longhorns have gone into this game 5-0 and since uh, 2008. Mm-hmm. And um, last time we were Longhorn fans were able to dream about big things like national championships and been that long and here they are having that conversation which is fun also Oklahoma at 5-0 and they're their measuring stick game here how good are they uh also this weekend Sunday Rod the Cowboys play the Niners and as we speak right now Dar- uh, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones is doing his weekly radio visit with the fan up in Dallas among the things he has said he says uh we told you earlier that Mike McCarthy said yesterday that Zach Martin and uh, Micah Parsons are both going to be in the rehab group both dealing with injuries. Zach Martin's got a quad injury. Micah's got a ankle slash knee. But uh, Rico Dowdle's also in that rehab group, as Mike McCarthy called it. Both have a chance to play Sunday against the 49ers, but no guarantee, so kind of a questionable deal. Mm-hmm. Um, now, on Micah Parsons, Mike McCarthy says, I'm not of high concern with it. Uh, thinks he'll be full go by Thursday at practice. Now, this morning on his radio hit, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones said that uh, he thinks Tyron Smith, the left tackle, is iffy, iffy to play against the Niners. He said, we'll, mm, we're well sign. prepared if he can't. And then uh, Jerry did say today that um, as, uh, as for the 49ers, they are probably right now the most likely team to go win the Super Bowl. But in order to get there, they're going to go by us, hopefully two times, if that's the way it falls in the playoffs. So Jerry Jones speaking confidently. Bottom line is you're playing the best. I agree, and this is exactly what the Cow- what Cowboys fans have been talking about, and we've discussed it as well. the The measure of success for this season is pretty simple. You got to get past the divisional round. It's so you know, no matter what happens in the regular season, of course you got to make the postseason. But you got to get past the divisional round. That's what's been haunting this organization <laughs> um, for a few years, and it seems like San Fran or Philadelphia is going to be there to meet you. So you're going to have to beat one of them teams, and you get to play Philadelphia twice, but then you get to see San Fran this week too. So you'll you have a, a really accurate or clear picture and gauge on what the Cowboys need to do to take that next step. Yeah. I mean, in this game is, uh, you know, if they lose this game, doesn't mean they can't no. beat them in January. Just got to make some adjustments, though. And, you know, I think we all would assume. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! 
Mm-hmm. Odds are probably fair that the Eagles and Cowboys will maybe split their home and home, right? I mean, yeah. This year? Uh, yeah, I think that's Could fair. see that. And uh, Niners are right there. Uh, Cowboys defense back to playing, as Dan Quinn said yesterday, that was us. That's our defense. We play fast. We play with relentless en- effort, and uh, we dominate, and they really have. But, you know, kind of like the uh, – because here's the thing with the Cowboys. The Cowboys have paralleled the Longhorns in a lot of ways, but for me they parallel Oklahoma. I don't know how good Oklahoma is because I don't know. They have, the best team they've played is like the 50th, 51st ranked team in the country right now. Uh, Texas or Dallas has dominated what I think are, are three pretty lousy offenses, right? The Giants, Jets, and uh, Patriots. Under I mean, these are these are bottom mm. bottom half of the league offenses, and as we saw with the Giants last night, maybe the worst offense in the league belongs to the New York Giants. It's possible giving up eleven sacks. Pick six. Did you did you see Brian Dayball when when um, threw his quarterback under the bus? Well, he wanted to strangle his quarterback. He did, man. He looked bad. He looked <laughs> mad at him when he was talking to him on the sideline on the bench. Well, yeah, because that's so frustrating. If they score a touchdown there, that would have been seventeen ten. I mean, they would have still been in the football game as bad as it was, and he you know, that made it twenty four three. Instead, it was fourteen point swing and just a terrible read by his quarterback. And I don't even know what he was throwing to. But Devon Weathers threw it out of the slot, jumped that thing. Uh, that was impressive. But for Oklahoma, kind of like the Cowboys, I'll, I'll, I think we'll learn a lot about the Cowboys this week against the Niners. I'm going to go ahead and give them a mulligan against the Cardinals, even though they had no business losing that game. Um, you can't lose that game because you know the 49ers showed you last week what you do to a team like the Cardinals. You just beat them, you know, 35 mm-hmm. to 16. Yep. Overwhelm them, and um, you know. But so now, kind of like Oklahoma, I think the, I think we know Oklahoma is stepping up against a team that's that's already proven themselves. I think the Niners, with a win at Pittsburgh and, and the, the way they've come out of the gate five and zero or four and zero, I think this is the, more about the Cowboys. Where are the Cowboys versus the Niners? And the Niners are relatively healthy right now. They got Brandon Ayuk back last week. Mm, yep. And um, Cowboys are dealing with the minor injuries we just talked about, and, and Trayvon Diggs. But uh, e- eager to see where the where the Cowboys stack up in this game. Um, against a, a loaded 49ers team that does a lot well. They don't have many many holes, Rod. Um, yeah, I'll take the 49ers. Just because I, it, it, I will say that a healthy 49ers team is something we usually don't see, even early on in the season. Like know, There's right? usually some injury like, oh, man, we got this. There's a crucial starter out here. Shanahan's got to adjust. I think the reason that they're on this run, this is the healthiest we've seen a Shanahan coach team in a long time. That's why you got – and I say that because you had the quarterback go down last year. Um, but you, they, they've had quarterback injuries damn near every year Shannon's been there. I'm talking about to the starter. Starter going down. Um, so if Brock Purdy, knock on wood, can just stay durable enough for this run and stay upright, as you point out, start and finish every game. They've never I, lost I, when he does that. Yeah, I don't – oh, Christian McCaffrey too. Those two, start and finish every game. I'm not saying they're going undefeated. That's not the case. But they're going to beat the Cowboys. They got both of those pieces. I feel like it. They'll beat the Cowboys. Uh, and Christian McCaffrey is off to an MVP caliber season. I mean, maybe Shadow's trying to win the MVP because the usage is way too high. It's actually, it's a little concerning for me. You're, uh, well, against Cole, the, you're, you're a 49er fan, aren't you? Yeah. Or, or is the usage for Christian McCaffrey a little concerning for you? Based off his, yeah, based off his injury history. His, yeah? his, his, his injury history, yeah. Yeah, they're not. He's not well, shoulder that low. With he had twenty more carries on Saturday, on Dude. Sunday, in the Arizona game. They also threw him the ball seven exactly. times. <laughs> I mean, he's getting 25, 30 touches a game. A game. Yeah, and like, he, that's a lot. And you know, the, the backups aren't even playing because they can't keep Elijah Mitchell healthy. Healthy. Yeah, so, he's a good player too. But how about how about Brock Purdy on Saturday or Sunday? Remember the, the Cowboys struggled with that Cardinals defense. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy, twenty of twenty-one, and one incomplete pass, two hundred eighty-three yards and a touchdown. Shannon found his guy. 
That's why he was so bullish on Brock him. Brock Purdy like, uh, yeah. to Brandon Ayuk, six catches, 148. Uh, they didn't and, even really need Debo in that game. And he well, he's their man beater. When a team wants to play a lot of man coverage versus the 49ers, uh, usually they end up bracketing Debo, rolling coverage his way, something like that. Uh, and they'll usually end up doing something similar with Christian McCaffrey because you don't want a linebacker on him, so you end up trying to bracket him, play in and out. If he, if he goes out, a, a player will take the out cut. If he, he cuts in, player will take the inside cut. Well, it's kind of like Texas. Once I get done game planning, trying to take all these weapons away, and neutralize them and allocate my resources, then I got a mathematical problem. I, you know, I'm out of defenders to try to double this other guy over here. So that's why A.D. Mitchell, that's basically what Brandon Ayuki is. He's their A.D. Mitchell. He's going to get one-on-one coverage because yeah. I can't afford to, you know, to, to double X-Man roll coverage over the top of JT and put eight in the box. You know you got to put eight in the box against Shano. You know you got to stuff the box. If you don't, he's going to run it down your throat, make you choke on it. So you better put something in the box. I'm going to bracket Debo, and then I'm also going to allocate resources to Christian McCaffrey. Who the hell's got time or resources to worry about Brad and Ayuk? Yeah. Well, and that's exactly <laughs> what uh, the Cardinals did because uh, Debo didn't have a catch in that game. Yeah, you, should, you got well, you to take something away. Yeah, and Kittle <laughs> didn't have a big game, but it was Christian McCaffrey and his Ayuk who had the huge games there. And uh, the numbers are pretty staggering for the Niners since they've acquired Christian McCaffrey. doesn't matter if Garoppolo or Purdy are their quarterback. Quarterback, they're sec- they're sixteen and one in their last seventeen games, and the one they lost was the Eagles when all their quarterbacks got hurt. Uh, <laughs> all, of <them. laughs> all of them, all of them got hurt. But um, you know, and Purdy twenty of twenty one. When does that happen in the NFL? Twenty of twenty one, one incomplete pass. Uh, he's good, but the sch- the scheme is perfect for him. Yep. Uh, the, the you know, and it's, it's what we're seeing from Quinn yours. Just you know, learn you know what what once you realize what the defense is doing to you, and that will be a really fun part of this game. The chess match between you know we talk about Sark versus Brett Venables, but it's really Brett Venables versus Quinn yours, right? What can Brett Venables show Quinn yours that's new uh, that, that that confuses him? Because he's shown the ability in you know 15 starts into his career to be confusable. Um, but, yeah. you know, you can tell when that's what you could see with the Kansas game. What he, he was seeing it. was very clear to him. Yeah. It, it, when he is prepared, we, and we know this, right, just taking the games this season, and Sark admitted it. He, that's why I love Sark because Sark almost gives you too much information sometimes, but it's great for us because then we can get these little tidbits. And he basically admitted there were two games early on in the season, all right, within the first uh, three games of the season, there were two of those games where they got a different picture, all right, on the field in the game than they prepared Quinn for. Yeah. They got different looks in those games. We assume were Rice and Wyoming, where Quinn had a slow start. In the Bama game, he had a fast start. Quinn looked great. Why? Well, they've been prepping for the damn Bama game for eight months. So, of course, he looks great in the Bama game. He got every look he was starting to see. And the familiarity, all those coaches that Texas got, they know that Bama system. They know it in and out. And remember, Nick Saban says he doesn't change his system when he brings in new coordinators. They run the Bama system. Well, that's great, but that's also really good for the coaches because everybody knows the Bama system. So, he's talking about a well-prepared Quinn Ewers. And in the Baylor game, just pure domination, Dave Aranda didn't really show him anything he hadn't seen either and same thing is true for the Kansas game so if I'm Brett Venables just based on the the inconsistent performances that he's had only two this year so far for Quinn because he's really finding his groove and his what 16th start or whatever it is I if I'm Brett Venables you like you said you got to show him something that he hasn't seen that's when Quinn looks indecisive that's when he looks uncertain that's when he looks insecure is when he gets a picture in the game that 
Sark had not show, Sark didn't show me. Look at this one. What, exactly, what the hell? This is, looks And then he hold. Then what's he do? Holds he holds it to the ball. And he tries. It, exactly. The deeper you get him into a progression, the better it is for you as a defense because that's when his play deteriorates. Now he's running now. Now that's that's something different because now you may decide uh, one two read. I ain't got it. I got a lane. I'm gonna run it. That's a different. Uh, Quinn than we've seen previously. So that's something you also have to account for. But for the most part, you want to show Quinn something that Sark has not been able to prepare him for. That's when he's indecisive. And I think the three high three down, even though it's not something that Brent Venables majors in, he does minor in it. He does have it in his repertoire and it has shown some effectiveness versus a Sark system and in confusing a young Quinn. It did in the Rice game. They broke it out. And Wyoming, that was one of their Principles on defense was the three high, three down. Since those games, we've seen uh, Jonathan Brooks in that power running game emerge, which is a good uh, combatant to that three high look. Let me uh, play this for you, though. Sark yesterday, this is you talk about maybe sharing too much, but he gave a pretty good detail of how they play play in the week to week. Uh, Here's Sark talking about game planning. You know, know, he's got that sheet that he reads from, right? His play sheet that he's got every game. Here's Sark talking about how that thing gets developed on a week by week basis. Well, if you, if you can imagine, you know, when we come in on Sunday as a staff and, and we grade the tape and, and we, we put the, that game to bed, when we go on to the next game, that, that call sheet I have on the sideline, I wipe it clean. There's nothing on it. And then we build that game plan that week from a blank slate, from a clean slate. And, and so as it grows from, from throughout that day and then we present it to our players, it's about them understanding why we're doing the things that we're doing in this plan and then how we're going to do it. And so every week it's different, right? And sometimes from a fan's perspective, the plays may just look the same, uh, but there's a reason maybe we're running them a little bit different this week, and then the players need to know the why we're doing it differently and then how to execute it. So. Um, I know a lot of times it just looks like we run the ball right up the middle, but there's some intricacies to what we're doing of how we're running that ball right up the middle. Interesting stuff. And uh, I always like when Sark says that, Rod, and then we're going to dive into your rant in this 9 o'clock hour. But one more from Sark, because then he talked about the improvement of this team is based on trust, that the trust that Mm -hmm. they have. And when, when Sark says, you know, we want the players to not just know what they're doing, but we want them to know why they're doing it. Like why their their specific role on this play is important to the execution of this play, even though the, the ball's not going to you, your role is vital within it because uh, it all works together 11, 11 yep. people at once. And Sark was asked this, a good question yesterday by one of the members of the media about uh, how important is trust on the field within your program. Yeah, no, I, I think trust is is enormous. Uh, to our success, um, and it's it's trust in their own training. Um, it's trust in their coaches that their coaches are putting them in the best position to have success. It's trust in the guys that they're playing with next to on the field in the moment, the calls that are being made, and everybody working on the same page. So you know, at, at the end, that the the best examples I can give are the reality of the execution that we have right now. You know, we just. We aren't playing football where there's a bunch of mistakes, right? Generally, coverage-wise, in the back end, right? You, you, we don't, we're not blowing coverages like we have maybe the last couple years. Um, you know, up front, you know, I think we had a couple issues early on with protection, but now from a protection standpoint, the pocket's been pretty clean. I think the runners trusting now, we had some young runners trusting the offensive line and the blocking scheme of where these balls should hit, and you're seeing – 
a little bit of a different style of runner out of Jonathan Brooks and, and Cedric for that matter. They're hitting these holes. So um, I, I think with Quinn in, in his trust of throwing these balls to a spot, like he threw a ball to Xavier the other day, a deep out on our sidelines that he threw before Xavier even broke. So there's levels of trust to this. Um, but in the end, that's when we operate at our best. You know, if, if we, we, we are not independent contractors, we all work, you know, together. And collectively, when we have trust, which I think we've earned over time with the consistency of which we go about our business, um, that, that, that puts our trust at a, at a high that, uh, that makes us feel good. All right. And that's what mm-hmm. you're saying about Brett Venables. Uh, you want Quinn Ewers to not trust what he's seeing, right? Yep. You want him to drop back and say, oh, yeah. Uh, that's not what I expected to see right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because the boy against Kansas at 25 for 35 and really locked in, he was seeing what he wanted to see exactly and right. what he expected to see. Uh, that's the, uh, you know, get him off balance a little bit thought, the chess match between Quinn and Brett Venables and then Sark. And uh, and then PK and Dylan Gabriel, too. They can expect the same thing. Otherwise, it would make this a great game. Both teams are 5-0. and Hey, let's get Rod's rant. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, oh you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, now just um, bringing up something we discussed earlier uh, in Rod's rant. I thought it was an interesting conversation, more of a thought experiment when it comes to the Texas Oklahoma game. Um, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about the Texas Oklahoma rosters, and I presented him with a thought experiment and. Really, I didn't expect it to go down the path it did, and I'm not trying to sound cocky and arrogant, but it was this thought experiment that really made me uh, believe that Texas not only is going to win the game, but they should win it comfortably. Um, If you had to look at both rosters, say you put both rosters, Texas and Oklahoma, all right, side by side, and as taken from the Texas side, um, is there a player on the Oklahoma roster who you would trade for if you were obviously the head coach at Texas? Is there a player on that roster you'd rather have than a player that's on the Texas roster right now? That's the thought experiment. What, who, what player on the Oklahoma roster would you rather have than the player at that position on the Texas roster? And I came up with like four maybe, maybe. Um, obviously, the most obvious is kicker. I don't even know what their kicker is, but everybody's like, oh, kicker, take kicker, take kicker. Um, I don't know about, I mean, I don't know what their kicker has done, but obviously, Burt Auburn has been inconsistent so far this year. Even Sark was asked about whether they were going to change kickers, and Sark said no, that he's going with Burt Auburn and that he's got, he's got to find some consistency. Um, so maybe kicker is up there. Um, they have a really good inside linebacker, off ball linebacker, Stutzman, that he, who's a really good player. As a matter of fact, we just had Taylor McCarg on. And he said the strength of the defense, maybe the strength of the team, is their linebacking core. Uh, you got Jalen Ford, but the other linebacker, the other off-ball linebacker, you know, maybe Stutzman could be considered a better player. Um, man, their leading receiver is Drake Stoops in terms of receptions. I, a receiver wouldn't be on that list. You know, offensive line, defensive line, I don't think anybody. Dylan Gabriel is a possibility. Because he is a six-year quarterback, and he's really prolific, and he is the first good quarterback Texas is going to face. But they do face Quinn Ewers in practice, and would you trade a Dylan Gabriel yeah, that's an for argument. Quinn Ewers? Maybe. Well, and remember, Maybe. but 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 
with when it's talking about the system you're running, you would you would want Dylan Gabriel for Kendall Bryles system for that. Oh, Bryles, yes, yeah, for but, that, yes, you're right about that. But for what Sark, what Sark wants to run, which is uh, his system, pro style, probably want the bigger arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably want the uh, the ability to spin it down the field and make all the throws. That's more Quinn, so that's at least a push at yeah. this point. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like I, 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 said, I wasn't trying to be cocky and airy. This is not me trying to, you know. You're just get, breaking down the rosters yeah, and to trying get, to find out who has an advantage. I'm and, not trying to give Longhorn fans a lot of Kool-Aid to drink. I'm just saying, from the thought, thought experiment, do it from the other side if you want to, too, as well. Uh, I think if you do it from the Oklahoma side, you'd probably take, like, 15 guys, maybe? Yeah. Something oh. like that. You definitely take all the wide receivers. All the wide outs. You take outs. all the wide outs. You take the tight end. The D-line. You take, oh, you take like three players on the D-line. Sweat, Murphy on the D-line at least. Hell, maybe Collins, too, on the D-line. Linebacker, you take Jalen Ford. Take sure. Jaday Barron. Well, yeah. it's funny because as you're Jaylen talking Catalan. about this, I was, uh, so every week, uh, Andy Staples, the uh, reporter, the, the great college football writer, mm-hmm. he does a, a podcast, a little interview with uh, Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl, and oh, yeah. they were talking about this game, and he he one of the, they started with a conversation with Dylan Gabriel that he thinks maybe Dylan's a little bit overlooked for, you know, because, he's a good player you know, for, yeah. for for the draft class and looking at these quarterbacks. Uh, but then he said uh, he said Gabriel have a tough task against the Longhorns. Nagy highlighted a couple of seniors on the defensive line, Sweat and Alfred Collins. Could spell spell trouble. He says Texas has a bunch of guys. They've got the two D tackles up front, Sweat and Collins. They're different players, very different. So if you guard, if you're a guard or center playing those two guys, different challenge. Sweat is all power. He's going to come right down the middle. Collins gives you a little bit more. He's longer too. You know, I'm talking about Byron Murphy, who's probably their best defense. Exactly. Line. Don't even bring him up. Yeah. yeah. And he said elsewhere on defense, Gabriel have to watch out for linebacker Jalen Ford and cornerback Jade Barron. Says uh, then you've got J- Jalen Ford, you got Jade Barron at nickel. Got a bunch of different guys at safety. They got NFL guys all over that defense. It's going to be a good matchup. Yeah, that's why I said I because you even do it from the Oklahoma side. To be fair, um, I think they end up taking or trading for ten to twelve, maybe even fifteen of the Texas players. I would take Danny Stutzman at the off-ball linebacker opposite Jalen Ford. You probably could argue a guy like Key Lawrence who's a really good player for them. Um, you could probably argue Billy Bowman, who's a good player for them too. That, He's a big five star kid, four yeah. five star kid. And, I, and I don't, I'm not saying where they would go because I take Jade Barron, and you know we'd have to get really specific about it. And I take their kicker. Their kicker actually is pretty. He's better than statistically than Bert Auburn. Um, yeah, he's Zach at, Schmidt. Zach yes, Schmidt he's is 80, their kicker. He's at 86 percent field goal percentage. Zach Schmidt. He's kind of a stocky kid. Yeah. And, and he's he, made 29 out of 29 extra points. So Yeah, yeah he's Richard Jr. So there you go. You take the while. kicker, and you take – I'd still – I think you hit the nail on the head, though, E. For a Sark system, Dylan Gabriel doesn't fit. I always say, you know, picking a starting quarterback is like picking a significant other, the woman you marry, or man, not the hottest woman you ever dated. They were the one that was most compatible with you. Um, Dylan Gabriel is way more compatible with Jeff Levy's offense, and Quinn Ewers is way more compatible with Sark's offense. So I don't even know if that necessarily fits, but it's one you could debate. All right, so we'll take your thoughts. It, uh, you know, on paper, Texas has superior talent uh, uh, pretty much across the board. Uh, but as we heard from Taylor McCarg last hour, the former Rice quarterback, now CBS analyst, who called uh, an Oklahoma game this year when they played SMU, said dramatic improvement in team speed. So, you know, they'll be able to run mm-hmm. with Texas. Because that was the thing that being at the Cotton Bowl last year, watching this thing develop, OU was slow. OU was really slow on defense. I mean, Texas just ran up. I mean, Bijan... That there was no contest, and, yeah. and Jatavion Sanders was like running away from their defensive backs. Uh, they've upgraded that, but again, t- 
Texas is better than they were last year too. And this game was forty nine to nothing a year ago. I don't know that it gets out of hand like that because I think Dylan Gabriel and uh, they'll put some points on the board. But uh, this one could look a lot like what we've seen from Texas, right? Close yeah. into the third quarter, 16-13 kind of game, and then Texas just with their depth and superior talent just kind of pull away. But the thing that will prevent that is turnovers. And Turnovers uh, will be big. Brett Venables coming up with some disguised coverages, things that uh, surprise. You know, you think you're in a man, all of a sudden you're in a zone and throw it out to the flat and now you're in trouble, that kind of stuff. They lead the Big 12 in takeaways right now. they got 10 interceptions. That's a lot. That's a lot for your first five games. Yeah. I, I watched several of those against Cincinnati, and that Cincinnati quarterback is not very good. But, <laughs> Just, <laughs> hey, Sonny Robertson wasn't that good. Yeah, I know. You ain't got 10 interceptions. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so you played three backups. Where's my picks at? Yeah, where are my picks? Come on. Come yeah. on now. Uh, all right, we'll come back. Uh, there's Rod's rant. Good stuff. Who would you trade? How many? Uh, run through it. Do it yourself. I let mm-hmm. us know. Hit us on the text line, 512-447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. Come back more on uh, the NFL. The, the folks in Vegas have their new Super Bowl odds out. There's one team rising and one team still on top. Details on that for the end of the hour. Fun round of who said that on this Tuesday. Texas OU, counting it down. Oh, man, that little teaser right there. We'll play the who teaser. said that before the top of the hour. We'll the, tease you with that. Who said teaser. it? Because I got some good who said that for you, Rod. Uh, we got some great audio. Our, yeah, I got that's some That's our too. man Cole Dixon. He's producing today because Ty's under the weather, so doing a good job. But, uh, you know, it's the first one that uh, got a little ahead of himself. But that's okay because mm-hmm. we're getting ahead of ourselves because we're already ready for Friday. Damn right. And our uh, watch uh, roundtable. Remember back in the day, Rod, were you with us when we used to do the big Hoffbrow Oh, yeah. Steaks, round tables. I did that. On the other radio station. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did and some it would of that. be a big time. I think this one can be like this. We're excited to be out at uh, Terry Black's Barbecue in downtown Dallas on Friday. Uh, it's got a great outdoor location and patio. The indoors, fantastic, mm. too. Indoor, outdoor. Uh, parking is very accessible. Right next door, they have a parking lot at Terry Black's. There's That's also public rare. parking across the street. And then street parking down on Main Street. It's uh, it's on Main Street, Rob, but it's kind of past the hustle and bustle of Dallas, downtown Main mm-hmm. Street. It, you get down towards the uh, the east east side of Main Street. Uh, so come on down. We'll be there from 3 to 7, I believe. i got to confirm this today. But uh, Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton are going to do a live stream from there from 3 to 4. Nice. For the Inside Texas on Texas Football Channel. That's good stuff. It's my guys. And then from 4 to 7, we're going to do an extended. You know, Sports Complex is normally 5 to 7. We're going to mm-hmm. do an extended hour. Of course. We'll lose an hour of the Rich Eisen show, but they'll get over it. We're going to do uh, 4 to 7, or actually 4 to high school football. From Terry Black's. And so uh, uh, if you're looking for a place, you're checking into your hotel and just want to go have a cold drink and get some amazing barbecue, stuff yourself full, and then Mm. talk Texas football, we'll be out there. And you and Patrick will be back here um, holding it down. So we'll have a roundtable conversation about all things Texas and Oklahoma uh, inside 24 hours to the kickoff. So that's 3 to 7, Terry Black's Barbecue, Main Street. And I want to thank our friends at uh, One Source Gas. That's Richard Strever and his team at One Source Gas. They are helping us get up and back there with all the, uh, um, you know, as our title sponsor of our watch roundtable um, mm-hmm. and our Friday roundtable at Terry Black's. It's One Source Gas. You're one source for all of your compressed gas needs. If you need them for your beer taps in your restaurant, if you've got medical needs in a veterinary clinic or a, a medical services, uh, One Source Gas, ATX, a, a small company, but it's grown like crazy because they do it better than everybody. One Source Gas, ATX.com is our website. That's one, and spell out the word one, by the way, One Source mm. Gas, ATX.com, CO2, nitrogen, everything that you need there. Uh, they're going to help us. So that's the rundown, and I want to thank nice. our friends at Bud Light because uh, 
you know, I, I we say it year-round, Rod, but how about this? Bud Light is your the official domestic beer partner of your Longhorns, the Texas Exes, and the Texas OU game. And we're oh. finally to that week. Uh, finally to that mm, week. It's about time, man. And uh, we're geeked up for so it. So you separate. This is when really you, become, you can become a legend among the Longhorn fandom in this game, too. You make a big play in this game. Longhorn fans, don't forget it. Trust me, I had a pick six and a, lo- and a loss. I still get a lot of love when I go down to Texas OU. Now, did you, did, you ever, did you ever go to that game for on a recruiting visit? No, I did not do that on a recruiting visit. That's pretty big time. I No, I did not do that. that my recruiting visit was uh, just to campus, so I did not do that. All right, so when and you I, came— that's, you, that's, that's usually like a Dallas thing, too, like DFW guys. Well, because, yeah, you know, you know, you'll think about it because you think it's a big it. recruiting win. Well, if you're playing a game outside of Dallas on a Friday night, it's hard to get to the Cotton Ball by 11 o'clock the next morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's usually like a DFW guys. They all do it because they grow up, you know, watching the game, and then they want to be a big part of it. So I get it. I um, get it. Yeah. You know, but so when you walked down the tunnel for the first time, that was the first time. Like you hadn't been in that yeah, environment I've before. Yeah, I had not been in that environment at all. And it is, uh, man, it, I mean, you've heard guys like Dan Neal talk about it. He's played in the Super Bowl, and he says it got him just as hype as the Super Bowl. It was that hype for him. Um, and he well, and Dan grew up a UT fan, so yeah. and he knew that game. Well, it, I, Keith Keith Morton, Big Red, legendary lifetime yep, Longhorn, World also Series. compared it to the World Series and said, honestly, I, I I I've been up at the plate in the World Series in clutch time, and he compares the Texas OU game. Said it is just as you know nerve wracking in that Texas OU game as it was at the plate in the World Series for Big Red. So it's. It is a game that can emotionally overwhelm you. You got to keep your emotions in check. But like I said, it's it, for fans. I admire the fans that go because I went back as a fan, of course, after as done as a player. And I think the fans deserve a lot of respect. That is a hostile environment on the outside. Um, there's a lot of like, the rules of engagement on the field are clear. The rules of engagement for the fans are not clear. And when some sooner comes in your face and it gives you the middle finger and starts dog cussing you in front of like your niece or your little cousin, and and then you you know kind of de- to defend yourself, you start hey losing it a little bit, and then you realize like how that vitriol and the angst that exists between those two fan bases and it happens literally on the lead up all into that game Friday night thank God it's in the morning I'm glad That's why it's they in would the never play it at night I'm glad That's why it's they in the would morning. never play that game it's at just night. too much too much frustration of angst and vitriol there's one built thing up. I've been asked the most why won't they ever play a game in prime time that's why because there'll be a fight some some fights it's enough rowdiness <laughs> if they start drinking at nine for an eleven o'clock oh, kick man. 2.30 it got a little hostile when they would do some two thirty times oh, oh I, I've got it, I've got into it with people in the morning. What do you mean? Like, no, I know. I understand. <laughs> but if you're trying to do that at night, the and then after that game, of course, oh. it's in South Dallas, which isn't the best best hood. But no, it's it's best at, at 11. Yeah, and that's why I love that house you game. were talking about. And that's why it'll be great to have the community of fans there at Terry Black's because you do you need people to have your back. You need to be a really find that burnt orange. You yeah. know, right? well, when we were at the Hofbrau back in the day, oh, we were deep. You were deep. That was what was the name of that little area, the stretch of uh, the West, Dallas at the time. It West, West End, end? It was the yeah. West End. Oh man, you were deep. But, so you had you had bars that were full of Sooners. Yeah, you had restaurants were full. No, of don't get caught horns. up in the same. Don't get caught up in the wrong no. place. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there's much. Well, there could be other stuff around Terry Black, so you'll get some crimson and cream down there, which nah, will be great. That's cool. I just need the burnt orange. I don't need that crimson. <laughs> I don't need I don't know, it. I'm, I'm not looking. I'm not likes to fight. I'm not looking for confrontation. Some Oklahoma. Sooners go down there looking for oh, confrontation. For sure. I'm like, dude, I don't. I want to hang out with my people. 
<laughs> I want to I want to fight with y'all. Well, most of the like to fight, like especially for the rowdiest of fan bases, right? Most of those likes to fight guys never went to school there. They're just a t-shirt fan. That's but true. Good point. They're rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, rough I agree you on that too. To and both problems. sides probably have those, by the way. Not just talking about the Silvers. I, I remember trying because I lived eight years of my life in Ohio. My dad's a big Ooh, Ohio State fan. Oh yeah. And there's no. I'm not denying that Ohio State fans are the worst, but you know the one thing that because remember Texas played Ohio State back to back years, right? In Columbus and then here. And it was amazing how many folks said, man, the Colum- the folks here were so nice. <laughs> I was like, well, those are people who can afford to come down to Austin and go to this game. When that you, is true. When you go to game in Columbus, it's a bunch of rednecks from, you know, when you go south of Columbus, you where are you at? You're in West Virginia and Kentucky. Oh, um, you get down into southeast Ohio, man, it is, it might as well be Kentucky. It might as well be West Virginia. And these, and if you ever go to a game in Columbus, those are the ones that flock to the game. They don't even go to the game, Rod. They just hang out. Just they hang outside. out tailgating. <laughs> they can't afford tickets. And they're just causing problems for people. They like, they like their habitual line crosses. They just want to cross the line. Well, remember, you've yeah. ever been to the horseshoe. It, 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 I've not. A, I've heard horror stories. Oh, man. I've not, though. Well, they, they have this great big parking lot that surrounds the stadium, and people line up and park, and they tailgate in that parking lot. The so whole you, game. So you have to walk through it to get to this to the game. Oh, no, it's it's a mess. But, again, I would argue that the high majority, of, not a, a, a good portion of the, the real bad fans, Never went to Ohio State, uh, okay. they just, or their students, or knuckleheads like that, which every campus is going to have to deal with some exactly. of that. But yeah, the ones that flew down here to come to the team game in Austin, it's a different group, different mm-hmm. group of people for the most part. But I again, I'm not going to deny that that fan base is the worst. Yeah, because people it is have, the worst. Yeah, they've talked about that. But you've been to Norman before too, though. I have. And were they were the Sooner fans obnoxious? Were they really bad? Because you didn't go as a Longhorn no, fan. No, they though. were. They were playing they tech. tech that night. Yeah, it's playing somebody else. But still, were they and obnoxious I was, I was, to the tech people? Well, tech people are not. They're they're annoying too, though. Well, tech fans, <laughs> they have their own level of annoying too. Listen, That's they're, very they're, true. They're Okies and they live in Oklahoma, and they <laughs> what? What do you expect? Yeah, I mean, made, come on, man. They, they made that choice. They made that. Choice. They made that choice. They that they live there. Yes, they think made. they're going to be in good moods. But <laughs> <laughs> well, they decide to live there. They could move to Austin. Uh, you know, I know a lot of Aggies. They don't live in Aggie Land. They just live in Austin. This Those is, are the smart uh, Aggies. Good stuff coming out on the text line. <laughs> There are a lot of smart Aggies. They just don't live in College Station. Exactly. That's what I said. Those smart Aggies, they come and be, they're like engineers here in Austin. They're building, the they have buildings around here. Yeah. Engineers. <laughs> I uh, run into Aggies every day and like living in Austin. They love it here. This says, I read yesterday that Sankey is interested in locking the uh, Red River rivalry game into a 2.30 game. Yes. I, that is the word on the street is that he's going to take it to 2.30 as soon as he gets a chance. Not night, but midday, like uh, well, afternoon. And that's the NC, that's the SEC's main main spot. That's their window. That's their window. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Fox has made the big noon, 11 o'clock noon kickoff in the East, their big game. And this game, look, think about it, why it's been 11 o'clock for so long now, outside of a couple of occasions. Uh, the TV partners, right? ESPN and ABC. Mm, yeah. Because think about it with ABC. Uh, it's always an 11 o'clock kick on ABC, and that's their window that goes national. That's who's running the show. That And ABC goes national, coast to coast, everybody sees it. When you get to the ABC at 2.30, that's when they go regional, right? Mm, they yep. got four games, one in the west, one in the midwest, one south, one east. And so, but, and they didn't, the ABC would never want this game to be a regional game. They no. want it to be coast to coast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, CBS, when they've had the, uh, I'm assuming it'll stay when it gets to ESPN next year. Uh, SEC wants that 2:30 window. That's their big game, and mm-hmm. always has been 2:30 middle of the afternoon into the dinner time. Uh, I would not be shocked at all if they lock this game in as a 2:30 game, which I think would be better for it, because the, the reason you were against it under the current deal was that you didn't want it to be a regional telecast. 
you want it to be coast to coast, big game of the day. Well, it will be again when you're in the in the SEC. What's like what's the big game at two thirty on Saturday? Alabama A and M, following yeah. Texas. That's a good point. And speaking of A and M, honestly, the first year in the SEC will probably be the first year in a long time where the Texas Texas A and M game will be bigger than the Texas OU game. It'll be bigger. It's never that's never really the case. Even when I was playing and I, I was be competing against year, both yeah. rivals. Texas A&M was always the secondary rival. Well, I was say always when I when I was on the Forty Acres, and since then it was the secondary rival. That's why it died off the way it did for the first time in a long time. Just because of what Oklahoma's building and it's taken them a little while, what A&M has done already, and the rekindling of the rivalry for the first time, in probably twenty something years, that Texas Texas A&M game will be bigger than the Texas OU game. It just will be. All right. Yeah, no, looking forward to Unless this. Oklahoma becomes some, you know, juggernaut overnight, which I doubt. Um, I that's going to happen. Yes, but I would see that being a 2.30. And you mentioned earlier the breaking <laughs> news, and it was kind of a joke that I had about who's going to come, Greg well, Sankey we both had or it. Brett Yormark. I said Brett Yormark wouldn't go, wouldn't go, and he's not going. Uh, that was my question is because college game day is there. Pat McAfee, they're going to talk to the uh, leadership. Mm-hmm. You see, you broke it to me. Yormark's not going. He ain't going. His office is like an hour, like 20 minutes away. Heather Dennis says he's not going. He said he'll catch Texas later. Like, when? Texas TCU, I guess. Hold on, you're not coming to the biggest game of the year in the Big 12, your conference? Yeah, but that's not his game anymore. That's not the Big 12's game anymore. Greg Sankey will be there. Exactly. That's why you predicted he'd be there, he'll and be he's going to be there because that's his game now. Walking up and down the sideline with his chest out. Like, oh, man, this, this is, this is, this, well, this is, is now S- owned by the SEC, this environment? So now, hold up. So let's talk about the best rivalry, all the best rivalries in football other than uh, Ohio State and Michigan now. You mean Notre Dame has got theirs too, but, man, you got so many of those now monopolized by the SEC. Well, Still, you know, all-time great, just great rivals. Well, you know, the SEC's already announced that their media days next July will be in Dallas at the Omni Hotel, about uh, ten minutes from the Cotton Bowl. Smart move there. Uh huh. Good. Well, because I want to. They all want to recruit DFW. Oh, I know. All those, all those schools. There's only one. They've already. They're already coming to Texas. Yeah, there's only one metro area in the country that produces NFL players at a rate better than DFW, and that's the Atlanta metro area. So yeah, and by the way, that's SEC country too. That's, they usually do their media days there. They want to get some of that recruiting. They want to try to you know showcase them and young obviously bucks. Now having Texas, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And A and M, it makes man. more sense. But notice how they never came to Dallas when it was just A and M. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's insulting to the Aggies. Sorry, Aggies. That's all just, right. Just mentioning. Just mm-hmm. mentioning. Uh, okay, this says I've been going to the Texas OU game for thirty-five years. Have never had a problem with Sooners. It's all in good fun. I've noticed that. And the thing about the the Texas OU game, right? I, if you, you've been as a fan, it is mayhem. I mean, it's like herding cattle. I mean, you get stuck in some of these narrow oh. walkways through the fair, and you're like shoulder to shoulder, and you kind of have to get along. Or else it's going to be a, you know, trying to go to the bathroom at the Cotton Bowl. I mean, you you have to be patient, and you're going to bump into some crimson. It's just going to happen uh, when you're trying to get because, of course, as you're going into the main main entrance at Fair Park and at this Cotton Bowl, you got these beer lines that are like 20 deep that are in the way of walking where you want to go. So it's just it's a lot of cross traffic. It becomes madness. Most of the altercations I've seen don't happen on game day, actually. They happen Friday before. Friday night. They have the Friday night before. It's that night before where all the Sooners and the Longhorns are out and they're intermingling. On game day, everybody's trying to get where they're going. You got a tailgate you get into, you're trying to get to the get to Corn Dog, get your state fair food, and get into the stadium. And you're right, you got massive lines and everything. So really there's no time for confrontation. That Friday night before, that that's where I've seen Fights. I've seen a lot of stuff. Hell, I've almost gotten into people with that Friday night before. And then that after. 
because whoever wins the game owns the city for the night, and the loser needs to get the hell out of town. That's usually the go way it works. Go back to your hotel and go to bed. Yeah, right. Do not, yeah, do not be out here partying when you lost that damn game because the city, uh, you know, that is the that's to the that's winner, right. to that's the right. to the victor go the spoils. And I've seen some altercations the night after. Uh, the game or the night of that game um, and because you know, people are out there and they're outnumbered. There you especially go. when they lose. Yeah. All right. Terry Black, several people have let us know Terry Black's barbecue is in a place called Deep Ellum, which is true. Yeah, the west side down on Main Street. Deep you go through Ellum. downtown and you can just stay on Main, uh, but you're kind of north of 30 and um, other side of, of uh, 75. And yeah, there are a lot of restaurants and bars around there too, so it'll be pretty cool. We'll be in uh, Deep Ellum at uh, 4 to 7, getting ready with. Uh, Terry Black's Barbecue, brought to you by our friends at uh, One Source Gas of Central Texas. Coming back with Who Said That Who on said Hook that? Em Up with Ian Rodby. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? All right, there you go, uh, Cole. Now you're on point. At, uh, just after 9.45, Rod, and it's 9.45 on Tuesday. And oh, you still... So, who said that? Audio from around the sports world, and then we have to decide who said it. Uh, Rod, what do you have for me here? What's our first one from you, my friend? Uh, all right, go. We can. Mac sent you a bunch of them. You can just kind of tee up any of my sent you and play them. Who said that? Who said it, Rod? They would love it if we could call the game right now. Okay. Guess what? They can't. Okay, they can't. But our will has got to be stronger than theirs. Sir. If our will is not stronger than theirs, then let's just get on the plane and go home right now. Is that what we want? No, sir. Let's go out there and battle this. Ooh, Ooh okay. what's that? Uh, I'll Give say it was a, a team that had a 28-point comeback, and it was one of their coaches, a team who had a 28-point comeback over the week. Is that you, Baylor? It was Baylor. It's hard to get to. I think it was the offensive coordinator and not Dave Aranda. Jeff Dave, Grimes? Yeah, so it wasn't Dave Aranda. It was Grimes, but I thought it was pretty cool. There yeah, that go. wouldn't have been Dave Aranda. He's been very quiet. <laughs> we need to have a comeback. Yeah, well, yeah, but that, apparently that was the fiery speech. I knew somebody gave a fiery speech. Jeff it Grimes, was Jeff probably. Grimes. They were down 28-7 to seven at the time. They won 36-35 yeah. with 26 fourth-quarter points. What a comeback for Baylor. It's a hell of a comeback. Might have salvaged their season. I mean, they play Tech this week. If they can beat the Red Raiders and Joey McGuire's team had been terrible on the road under Joey McGuire, that game's in Waco. If they could win that, all of a sudden they're back to 3-3 three and three and get Blake Shapin healthy. Uh, that that season was careening at that point, down mm-hmm. 28 points. How about this one, Rod? I think you and I both like this. Who said this? Awesome job by you guys. This is what I envision, man, Texas football look like. Mm-hmm. I, it's dominating up front, mm-hmm. running the ball how we want to run yep. the ball, yep. D-line attacking, dominating the line of scrimmage, yep. swarming defense, explosive yep. offense, and everybody excited about playing football. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. All right, that's what it feel like. Yeah. Keep it there. I right, yep. keep it there. We got everybody got better this week, man. Yes, and this is what our team can be. Fair. Right? Yeah. We got greatness in this room. Fair. Let's keep growing. Yep. Keep building. Keep leaning on each other. Yep. You guys got greatness. Right? Never forget yes. that. Yes, I love coaching you guys. Proud of you guys. And that's just the start. Come on. That's just the start right there, fellas. Keep grinding. Love Changing you guys, it. man. Awesome win. Hey, let's get a game ball for everybody. Hey! Hey! Everybody gets a game ball. That's my man D'Amico. Mm-hmm. I already know. D'Amico. Oh, D'Amico Ryans. He, that seems like that was a nice hire. Uh, seems like C.J. Stroud was a great pick, and Will Anderson was a great pick. Uh, you know, so. and I've watched him. Outside of the start of the Colts game where they <laughs> got down, you know, they had a turnover and mm-hmm. got down 14 nothing. and Anthony Richardson, I think he kind of overpowered them early with his run game. They'll adjust to that. But um, even against the Ravens when they lost week one, I just keep watching them thinking, man, they're so damn sound. They are. They're sound. 
They are. It's Agreed. like this isn't the Texans where they're blowing coverages and they're out of position mm-hmm. and they're they're just damn sound. And CJ Stroud, they're not making big mistakes. And again, no turnovers in four games. No interception. Record setting. If if as you said, if they get healthy on the offensive line and that becomes a strength, not a weakness. This team could be a factor in the AFC South. It just could because well, the AFC yeah. South isn't good. I was going to say Jacksonville was supposed to dominate the division. That's not happening right now. They're not dominating the division. So if you're the Houston Texans, you got a shot. Yeah, and you know, and week you're two and two now. You just beat Pittsburgh. You beat Jacksonville at Jacksonville the week before. <laughs> After starting zero and two, you've gotten back to five hundred. And as you just heard D'Amico saying, we're getting better by the week, and they're starting to believe in this young quarterback of theirs. And why not? He's playing great. All right, what do you have, Rod? Uh, all right, uh, hook me up here, Cody. Just uh, play me one of those. Nice pieces of audio. Who said that? Who said it? Not looking just only at our players on tape, looking at myself on tape, you know, in regards to how we signal plays at the uh, the end, communicate. Got to do things better there. So for those I offended with that, I apologize. I won't be using that signal again. Not looking just only at our players on tape. All right, that was um, was a (laughs) college football coach. Did he Uh, use an offensive signal? Yes. Okay. So I don't know if you heard about this. I didn't. Okay. So uh, the or is I'll just reveal it. Oregon State head coach uh, is who it was, and apparently when he was the end of the game, he was trying to get the uh, the the quarterback and his team to milk the clock, and he gave <laughs> he gave the oh, he was milking, doing the shake weight. Yeah, he gave like the milking the breast. Like yeah, yeah. Like he just like milking oh, his I thought boobs. He was doing, like the shake weight. No, he was milking his own boobs like, as a, <laughs> as a signal to milk the clock. And apparently, somebody got offended by that. People got offended by it, man. You know, people need sensitivity training. So apparently, he had to go get some sensitivity training because I can't rub his own nipples. No, he he was. It was Jonathan Smith is his name. Right? I think that's his name. Yeah, he is. And they the, beat UCLA or Utah. That was a big win. It was a big win, but yeah, he got in trouble. Not politically correct. He was milking a mock. He, he was mimicking milking himself as a way to tell the guys to milk the clock. <laughs> I love it. I won't use that again. I won't use that I think that we're going to be all right, Coach. That was I know. I'm like, come offensive. on, man. Who's offended by that? Here. Come on. Many farms in Detroit? No, Dina. No, not a lot. In fact, Jack, I should clarify this. I didn't actually grow up in a farm per se. The house that we grew up in was originally erected in the early Dutch farm colonial style. So that, plus we had a lot of pets. Which one did you milk then? Dad. Honey, he said he pumped milk. What have you ever milked? Cat. <laughs> Cat. I have nipples. Can you milk me? Can you milk me? Uh, who said this? You'll know this pretty quick, but this is from last night's disaster of a football game on Monday Night Football, but uh, I think you'll like it. That's the man he's talking about the tush push. Yeah, you you can't do it without pushing the right butt cheek specifically, Rod. That is true, but I will say you got to push the tush. If you're da- doing the, the tush push. Daniel Jones was the tush they were pushing. Yes. Was it him? No. Uh, yes. Jalen Hurts has a more powerful tush because he's, he's a power lifter. Yeah. So it's all about the tush, but the tush has got to be big enough that he can survive the push. You know what I mean? After and that's, through that pick six, Dave Bryant, yeah. they would like to kick him in the tush. Kick him in the tush. Nobody does the tush push as well as Philadelphia. Just forget about it. Because nobody has the unique combination of a powerlifting quarterback, right, who's right. also like a dual threat. squat a uh, U-Haul truck. Exactly. And, and a Hall of Fame center. 
you don't ha- you got to have that combination Some big for the, powerful guards too yeah like you don't have that combination so you can't do it so they'll probably try to end up outlawing it in the lc in the end uh all right uh, i got one more here we got one more here give it to me you ready for this go you got one just uh who said that Jack, what was the feeling leaving that locker room last january against those guys No, I mean, it's obvious. I mean, we're so far past that, to be honest with you, but that's obvious. I mean, you just want to piss me off going into this week, and I appreciate that. I do, actually. I do. Um, yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate that. Lost drive, you guys. I mean, every, every day. Uh, every day. Every day, Todd. Every day. There you go. There's Dak. Dakota. He's upset. Hey, talking about he that get a little surly with the media, asking him about the interceptions and his <laughs> mistakes, and he didn't like it after Arizona when they didn't <clears> execute <throat> in the red zone. He threw that pick lay. I like an aggravated Dak. I ain't mad. Ain't mad. Yeah. Get a petty, little petty Dak. All right. Final mm-hmm. hour coming. You know it's the fabulous fifth quarter on a Tuesday. You never know what will happen. We do know we're going to get some what's popping. For you Ranger fans and baseball fans, we'll preview these uh, – Baseball games today. Game ones in the wild card round. Division or the quadruple header. Quadruple header of games. Rangers are the first. We'll preview that because you're going to hear it right here on the horn today. That's at uh, 208. First pitch, 130 pregame. You won't, uh, we're going to have to cut out from the Jim Rome show and we miss most of the Rich Eisen show today ahead of the sports complex because of Ranger baseball. That will be the case tomorrow too, Rod. Rangers? Rangers today and tomorrow, 208. And uh, Rangers have to win one game to keep it alive right or rangers could sweep too we'll preview coming back hook them up ian rod b fabulous fifth quarter on a tuesday